Always distracting the troops. Wow, I wonder how many of those civilizations down in the Amazon have kids using the cellus. It's amazing that you can see that. It is amazing. Yeah, I always got a kick out of Howard Hughes. I like Howard. He did some really wild things. He did. Yeah, a big giant, giant airplane. Spruce goose. Yeah, and spruce is a type of wood when they wouldn't give him still because you know there was a shortage he made it out of wood yeah and uh it was huge huge. (laughs) and everybody said it couldn't fly couldn't fly couldn't fly he got it ready it was made for the government so he was and it it, for a runway it used water it was a water takeoff plane so he wanted to take it off and they said you can't no you can't because of contract we and so he got permission to just to do a taxi test to see if it would taxi on the water. And as he explained it, he accidentally took off. <laughs> <laughs> just to prove that it flew. Some people are pretty upset. He said, Sorry. Well, it <laughs> <And seems floating>. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know they're finny. Yeah. When you work that hard on something that crazy, it would be a tragedy to not see if it would fly. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm on his side. <laughs> so, uh, how did we arrange to follow Tobias? I don't know. We should have him do more. I mean, <laughs> I think you should start doing sound effects. Yeah? Yeah. What would be the first sound effect we would like to hear her do? Something sciencey. How about uh, Einstein impersonation? <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out, please. <laughs> okay. He did that. Okay. He did it. <laughs> we didn't. Okay. Well, that's good. This is going to be the worst edition ever. I thought I impersonated pretty well. I hope none of you have bad dreams over that. <clears throat> I will. Anyway. Sorry. I, I love her You asked me for <laughs> yes. Einstein impersonation. Okay. But we have a challenge tonight to solve as a team. And I, I want to lay a foundation, and then we need to get into it, okay. because inventioners tackle problems. And I know you're all getting ready for the holidays, and that's wonderful. I want to wish you a wonderful holiday season. Mm-hmm. Next week, which is between Christmas and New Year's, we are going to take a break on Science Live. So no Science Live next week. And for goodness sakes, don't tune in just in case old 51 commandeers <laughs> things again. There's no session next week. Okay, just so enjoy your holidays, right? Miss us. Miss us. Miss us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the challenge is this. In this world which we now live, there is a tremendous need for people to learn coding. Coding meaning writing, programming code. 
That's the code that we write to make computers do what we want. If you want to make a website, you want to make an app, if you want to keep track of your recipes, you do cook, right? You have to be able to write code, and coding is becoming more and more and more important. And so in Acellus Academy, years ago, I realized we need to do things to really help our students get a jump on coding. So we made a decision that, you know, students start learning to read in Cellus Preschool, in kindergarten, first grade. Uh, many of our Cellus students are reading at a third grade level by the time they turn seven, which is, which is really wonderful. We like that. But we decided that starting in the third grade, they were ready to start learning STEM. STEM stands for science, technology, technology engineering, and, yeah, and STEM, math. and math. These are the technical fields, and coding is one of the important things we need to learn in STEM. Some people, pre-prestigious people, are writing books saying that being able to write code is the new literacy for the new generation. So it's really important. Mm -hmm. So we decided in a cellus, in the third grade, students will be able to get exposed to STEM and get started. And we created a vision of a 10-year STEM program. So we start teaching STEM in the third grade and in the fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way up through the rest of when they graduate from high school. And by the time they graduate, we believe that students that do this 10-year program will be able to get better paying jobs than persons currently graduating from college in programming. Because that's 10 years of training. College only get four. Plus, we think they'd have a lot more background. So that was the goal. We need to start STEM in the third grade. Now, in the third grade, we don't have a lot of third grade teachers that majored in engineering in school. And so it was pretty hard for them to say, how am I going to teach them? How am I going to teach coding? I don't know how to code. So we said, okay, we need an invention. And so we invented a thing called a STEM lab. And a STEM lab is a lab that we're putting in schools all around the country. And these labs are three-sided pods, you know, like pods that go to the moon. Well, this is a pod that sits in a STEM lab. And there are three chairs on each side of this triangle. It's a triangle, three students sit there, and in front of each one of them is what we call a console with a computer on which they do their acellus. And if you think about its triangle, there's three sides. That means there's a student over there and a student over there, but I can look straight forward so that they don't distract each other, and they can all then be working on their individual computers. And then we came up with the first step in STEM to learn how to code. And how do you get a third grader interested in coding? How do you get them to understand what coding's all about? What are you doing? Coding gives you the power to be able to control a computer, make it do things. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to be able to say, yeah, you're controlling the computer. Some people make it so they can write a message on the screen. That's kind of neat. We thought, what if we were to design some little robots. And the robots could be controlled by the student writing code. Mm -hmm. 
The concept of writing code is kind of abstract. Writing code is about writing one zero one zero zero one 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 zero 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 one 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 and get ones and zeros, put them in the computer, and it does it. That's not too intuitive to third graders. So we tapped some of the very brilliant people at MIT who had developed a concept for teaching coding where they said, we're going to use visual blocks. You know, like building blocks, so these are visual blocks on a computer. And each block is a function that we want the computer to do. And so if you want the computer to do something, stack up the blocks, and it'll do it. And the neat thing about that is that's kind of how you do a program. You kind of create chunks of code, which can be called blocks, which then tell the robot what he's supposed to do. So we created a course. In fact, Dr. John was our wonderful teacher, uh, probably the most brilliant person that's ever taught third grade STEM before. <laughs> uh, but boy, he, he taught them right. And they learned how to take these blocks and put them together, and they could have the robot turn on a light. Wow, the robot did it. They could make it dance, do all sorts of things with this block code. If you have not got into blockly coding yet, then you really need to take one of those classes. And for some of the students in Acellus, they start with the dancing robot as their first step. And you can do that without taking the formal class, or you can take the formal class. I recommend both. But if you learn how to write code, you can make that little dancing robot do any one of 10,000 steps whenever you want it to. And if you can tie that to the music and give it personality, you can win the Science Fair Robot Dance Contest next year. Mm -hmm. And we're getting more and more prizes for that. So I hope you really get interested and do this. But I thought it would be very interesting today to kind of see what it's like, what the challenge is like to build these pods. We designed the pod, there was a lot of effort we put in. We designed them several years ago, and nobody made them, so we made them. And who are we? We are the IST students. IST students build them. We offered them to schools. We have them all over the country now, and they're putting them in STEM labs. And I want you to kind of see, first of all, what we have out here. So let's take a peek at the Acela STEM lab. There they are. You can see three students can sit at each console. They have their own little computer. And they're pretty neat. The whole desk is a whiteboard so they can make notes on it and then erase it. We have special stools and gold book computers, which are really nice except we found gold book computers are a little small. And here's one of the dancing robots, and here's one of the dancing robot programmers. And this guy really makes it dance. Yeah, so now that's what a STEM lab is. And like I say, we build them and we got them out there, and a lot of schools have them. So then we always ask schools, so what could we do better? What could a cellist do better to help your school more? And we started getting feedback from schools about the STEM labs, and they said, you know what? The price of the STEM labs is a little bit high for us. If we get the price down, it would help. But 
the cost of shipping the STEM labs is ridiculous. We can't pay all that for the labs. If we could get the cost of shipping down, mm -hmm. then we'd be able to get a lot more. So we started a shipping company. We did? No. I didn't know that. No. We're going to? But that's the challenge <laughs> that we were faced with. How can we get the cost of shipping down? Now I'm going to show you in a minute that these STEM labs uh, have some problems that we occur with shipping. And I think the best way to, to point it out is to go out into our lobby here at IST where we have some of the STEM lab consoles on display and see if we can get R1 Is that you? to explain it. Here we go. Okay, here's the Acellus Learning Pod. These are in STEM labs in schools all over the United States. And they are a place where students could come in and do STEM lessons, so they can do the robots and different things. Now, they're a neat design. They're made so that you can have three students working at each one, no one looking directly at each other to distract each other, and they can focus on their studies. But there's some problems with this design. First of all, this desk is made out of wood. Making these is very expensive and very time consuming, but they're big. And the problem is, when we get ready to ship these to the school, it takes a whole big pallet to stack them on, and it's very expensive to ship them. The shipping cost is so great that some schools haven't even been able to afford to get them. So I've given the development team the assignment to figure out how to redesign these so that more schools can afford them. And I'd like to take you over and show you where we are so far on getting these designed. Let's go over to the manufacturing building. Okay, so now you know the problem. Okay. Very often, the first step in an engineering design or success is a problem. Uh, problems are opportunities. And so we have an opportunity. A lot of schools would like these. We need to get the cost down. The way you get the cost down is lowering the material cost and also cutting out the labor cost. And in this case, it's reducing the shipping cost. Those great big pallets are expensive to ship. How can we get them more affordable? So I'd now like to take you over to the factory where we design and build these and introduce you to our head designer, Josh Merkley. We've got a, a wood base on the old design. How are you gonna get rid of that wood base? And how do we make them small enough so that we don't have to have pallets to ship them? So one of my thinking is that um, we can go with an aluminum table. Uh, this presents a lot of benefits, both in weight, um, but also in mm -hmm. manufacturability here on site. So the table is three aluminum pieces instead of being wood. Correct. And we could break those down, ship them in a small box, yep. and then when we get in the field, they'd be able to be quickly assembled. Yep. Uh, are you making them so they kind of fit together, so that uh, the depth here of the thickness overlaps with each other in the box, so we only have two thicknesses instead of three? Um, that's something we haven't quite figured out a good solution for, but... It should be real easy. Just turn them right. Yeah. We back to back, and since you have the corners off, be all right. Yeah. I see you're solving the corner problem by having a corner piece fit in there. 
That seems like a place we could do something a little bit fancier, yep. couldn't we? Absolutely. Yeah, good. So then we have the tower piece on top. Right now, you've got that as a six piece, mm -hmm. six sides, uh, which isn't a bad design. No. And these could be pre-assembled so that this long uh, corner could be fastened to one of the sides. Yep. So they, they just bolt three of them together and they could be laid together so that side comes up. Okay, so compact, easy shipping, very, very little labor inside. Mm -hmm. So what else can we do? We have, of course, the better computer. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at one of those, can we? So this is the computer that we're going to put on these. This is the next generation of the Celis computer. And it's got a bigger screen than the old gold books, yep. right? We, we need to be able to assemble these onto the console quite easily. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we're pretty good there. Now these are designed to run the new Jedi operating system, right? Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Okay, any questions? You know, I still am a little uh, concerned about how much time these might take at least to assemble in the factory, but more especially in the field. Um, do you think maybe we want to break them into three sections so that they pack Are you by? talking about the little houses where you put the robots? Yeah, and, and the console in general. Now, if you look at the latest batch, we eliminated this little robot house, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And I, I think putting those in there doesn't make as much sense. I think we might be better off to have the robots in a console where they're all there and then we could have the STEM 1 robots, the STEM 2 robots and the different fantastic. equipment. So in that last batch, we eliminated this thing mm -hmm. and it made them a lot easier to ship, didn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And easier to build for that matter. Yes. So this will be makeable right on our new machines, right? Mm -hmm. So it'd be much more robotic work much less manual labor, which mm -hmm. is a big deal. What about legs? Oh, uh, yeah, so we are using the latest leg design here. Uh, they're powder-coated black, um, much more affordable uh, than the solid stainless steel option, and, and I don't see any reason they wouldn't be more durable than what we were using before. So. Okay, are they the same design on the bottom? Yes. So one comes down and loops over? Yep. So we have one rod comes down and welded. Now, are these going to be a part that would be made outside, or are we going to make these in, in our own shop? Well, eventually I would like to get tooled up to make them ourselves. Currently we are still um, outsourcing them, but they're pretty simple. And with our new laser um, and bending equipment, I see no reason why these wouldn't be How would feasible. the laser cut these? Well, the laser um, the top, top piece. piece exceptionally well, and then and just so, And we have the powder coating machine. Mm -hmm. So. Can we go take a look at that? Sure. All right, let's go to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can see how these things get designed and mm -hmm. built. And we take a very clever, talented engineer. And by the way, uh, Josh is an Acellus Academy graduate, and he's also an IST graduate. And uh, he knows how to design these things, how to program the machines, and we're really grateful to have a guy with that kind of capability on our team. So uh, 
we could teach students how to cut wood and how to sand it and make it pretty, and, but it's heavy, it's expensive, it's dirty, dusty, it makes a mess. And our students would rather learn how to program the robots to build stuff than doing it over and over and over again. You know, a few times is kind of fun. Woodworking is really neat. It is. But when you start making thousands of them, it feels a little bit like a job. <laughs> but the robots, the robots are just a lot of fun. And so this is the first year that we are adding these kinds of robots to our team. Most able to cut parts. Up to this point, everything we make out of metal we've made by punching holes in a sheet of metal. Mm. And now we're very happy to have a new member of our team, which is a laser cutter. And I'd like to take you over in the shop and let Josh show us these wonderful new tools that are set up now and are starting to run. Let's take a peek. Okay, look. That singing is not supposed to be in there. Okay. <laughs> Tina. So this is where we have the equipment to build the parts. Yep. So this looks like part of the top. Yep. That will will go on top of the new design. It's cut out of metal. And so this is kind of developing the concept for the module. So we're gonna have three modules about this size that will ship stacked up rather than having that great big table. So we can put them in a little box, okay. And these are the robots that do the work. Uh, this one picks up the parts and gives them to the operator over there and uh, hands them off in a precision way so this robot then can hold them and take them over the break. Let's, let's zoom in close on this for a minute. This is a pretty nice robot. He goes back and forth here, and this is the bending machine. So if you look, there we put tools in here so that we can bend metal. And this guy holds the metal to bend it, and this closes and opens to be able to do it. The first feeder robot, I call her the girl because she's really cute. <laughs> But she brings the part, gives it to the guy that operates the machine. He brings it over and bends the part, okay? Look at all this metal. Yep. This is what it's like when it comes to us from the factory. Uh, these are sheets. Is this aluminum here? That's stainless. Oh, stainless? Aluminum's on the back. Aluminum side. over there. So we get pallets of these metal pieces stacked up. These are loaded into this loader, and a whole stack of these is here. Yep. And then this giant robot picks up one piece at a time and runs it into the laser cutter, cuts the parts out we want, and then brings it back out puts the finished piece here, right? Yep. So if we come over to the laser cutter, this big guy is actually the machine where the laser comes down and cuts the holes, right? Yep. So it's, it's kind of
kind of a neat system. And this is where we operate this. And so that's actually the dark room where the laser actually cuts the pieces. Neat. I notice all those little points sticking up. It's interesting. It's so that it holds the metal and yet it doesn't get cut. I want to look at the powder coater too. Can we do that? So explain to us what the powder coater does, Josh. So the powder coater takes a dry powder paint and it uh, fluidizes it with air. Dry powder paint. So it takes little tiny specks of dust, which yeah. are color, which are pink. And when you say fluidizer, you don't mean it makes it a liquid. No, but it, it makes the dry powder act like a liquid. So you can flow it through different tubings to your gun. Mm -hmm. um, and then it will spray onto uh, your part like a fine fluid powder. Okay, so over here is one of our powder coating booths. And back here we have these big filters that filter the air coming through. So the air is pulled in and we have a gun. Yeah, a paint gun. And this actually sprays out powder, but it charges the powder and you ground the part with a wire so that there is an attraction between these little tiny specks of powder and the material. So you can actually shoot and paint the front and they go around and stick to the back and you can coat the whole part. Yeah. So they're on there, but if you take a rag, you can wipe them off. Yep. So they're all in place. So what do we do? Let, before we look at how we cook them on, let's look over here. Here's the control system. So we can have four different colors of powder loaded up, ready to go. And just by switching, we can change the color. But when they're all coated, we, we put them in a cart and then it comes over to the stove. Mm -hmm. And this is a big oven where we roll the parts in and then we actually bake that coating on. So the powder is heated up and it becomes a very sturdy coating. Yep. More sturdy than, than just regular paint. Absolutely. We call it powder coating. It's a good way to do it. And we put this on all of our stuff. Yep. It's a neat thing to do. And look how clean it is. It's just, it's kind of neat because it's not paint. It's yep. just dust, which we can sweep up. And let's mine go on first. What's this machine over here? Uh, so this is the uh, silk screen. Um, so this is where we put the graphics on the faces of the consoles. Mm -hmm. So we have um, usually a squeegee and then a flood uh, bar here. And so the flood bar will take the ink and spread it over the screen while the squeegee then comes back and applies the ink onto the console. Okay, great. So we won't need that for, well, we do it for the front panels, don't mm -hmm. we? Yeah, okay, good, super. Okay, so that's it. That's a lot. And thank you, Josh. Thank you for your work and what you're doing. You notice this is a brand new building. Mm -hmm. uh, we're on the IST campus here, and uh, we have eight buildings. Yeah. And the manufacturing building is across the parking lot, across the road, so that students can walk over to it. And we're pretty excited to have that new building, which yeah. this will be our, our first year. We've been fixing it up. And this is where we make things like 
t-shirts and, and print them with our, our different logos and things. It's where we also make in another section, it's a big building, but we have a section where we do electronic manufacturing. We have robots build circuit boards and a lot of neat stuff over in the manufacturing facility. And it's all part of the educational experience of our ISD students, mm -hmm. right? So the, the goal now will be to take that design that Josh, as you saw, has in his computer. It's a 3D design. You know, it's, uh, I'm in there complaining and adding. <laughs> and we didn't put it on the camera, but I did challenge him with some real hard things to make better. Yeah. And uh, he's a good sport. On the design? Yeah. I, I remember, remember Walt Disney came from Kansas City. Yeah, a lot of good things came from here. <laughs> but Walt Disney was very successful in building up Disneyland and the Disney cartoons and things. And what Disney used to do, he'd hire wonderful, talented, creative people, and they would create real neat stuff, and they'd come and show it to Walt. They said, man, this is really neat. Now, how can we plus it? How can we make it better? Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do. And Josh probably said, <laughs> but you know, that's exactly what, what's exciting. Uh, you saw that computer. Now, that was kind of a sneak peek. That yeah. little computer is quite a bit bigger than the old gold books. And a lot of students have said that if it was just a little bit bigger screen, that they would be able to study on it better. Hmm. Like the gold books, the screen is a touch screen. So you can do problems and things with your finger or with the keyboard. But this computer is different than any other computer in the world because it doesn't run Windows, it doesn't run Mac OS, Android or iOS. This computer runs a brand new operating system never before seen by man or woman yeah. called Jedi. Can we say Jedi? Yes, use the force. <laughs> Only Jedi is spelled wrong. Hmm. It's interesting. Uh, you spell Jedi, J-E-D-I, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how Disney spells it. Or Luke Skywalker spelled it. <laughs> we spell it J-3-D-I. -E -J so a three backwards is an E. J3DI <laughs> and J3DI.com will become a new website when this new operating system is announced. It's exciting. And it's a new operating system optimized for use by schools that are running to sell us. And it's, it's kind of custom made the very, very, very best operating system that education has ever been able to get its hands on. So it's faster, more it's secure. Made for it. What, is, what makes it better for education? I don't know. Sorry, that's not true. <laughs> no, actually, it, it has a lot of really enhanced features that are really ideal for education. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things is security, but also the interaction, the capability, the ease of operation. We think it's going to be okay. a big deal. We're not saying too much about it yet, okay. but it is coming. And the reason that I let it slip out, which I've never done before, even mm -hmm. though we've been... We've had the website to work on this for quite a while, is because for the first time, Jedi is actually booting up. Is it? Yeah, it boots up. 
Hello world. Hello world. And, <laughs> and that's about all it does right now. Hello world. You know, we've lot. got a lot of work to do, but it's coming. And we're really hoping to have this ready for schools and for Sells Academy students next school year, oh, which should be in the fall. So it's exciting. And these consoles, I, I thought it'd be fun to show you where we're at. Uh -huh. Now we're going to go change that design, make some enhancements. Some of the things I said, couldn't you this, couldn't you that, couldn't you this? And so he's going to show me, yes, I could. We have a thing here, uh, you know, they call me R. Yes, they do. They used to call me Roger. She took the Odger away, so now I'm just R. Right? <laughs> big, she, just call him R. <laughs> and so they have a thing over in that shop. They say that R believes in, wow, W-O-W. Sure does. <laughs> and I said, wow, what's wow? Our beliefs, we can walk on water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the wow effect right there. There you go. That is the wow effect. So when they get the new design done, then they're going to build up a prototype. It'll be one, and I'm going to film it when we build that prototype up, have the robots build it and show you how it goes together. We're going to bolt together and try, and I will show you How so neat. you can see it. These little STEM robots, though, are going to be going to a lot more schools. We have over a thousand of these already installed at schools, but uh, we kind of slowed down when COVID hit because the schools weren't really looking for new furniture. <laughs> but now they're, they're asking for them again. So for this next school year, we're hoping to build as many as 10,000 of them because there is a lot of high demand. So that's how Inventioneering works. You come up with a challenge, with an opportunity, with a need, with a crisis, whatever it may be, and so then we take all the latest breakthroughs in science and technology and figure out how we can screw them together so that they accomplish a goal or a mission. And it's really an exciting thing. If we can get the shipping way down on these, if we can get it much easier to set them up in the school, uh, and if we can get the labor cost out, get the material cost down, make them sturdier and better, it's going to be really, really a neat thing. When you design a product and you're so proud of it, and it's the best of its kind in the world, and so you sit back on your laurels and you say, I've done it. Don't do that, because it won't be the best tomorrow. Now, your com competition, and competition's a wonderful thing. That's how a lot of the great things get done, is yeah. because there's competition. They can see all of your best ideas, so they're gonna start figuring out how to make it better. And so, I am already thinking about the next version of the STEM labs, and what we're gonna put in them, that'll make this one look like it's going backwards. <laughs> so that'd be ID3J, right? Mm -hmm. Jedi backwards. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Now remember, next time, please don't even take a chance of signing into Science Live next week. We've locked R51 in Area 51, so I think we're going to be okay. But if he's able to break out, he's going to do the shenanigan like he did last time. <laughs> it's like, I there's think no reason you have to sign in next week. Just have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Yep. And uh, 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 
happy holidays to all of you. I just think that this is a time of the year when a lot of people take time to stop and remember what we're grateful for and to be kind to everyone. And I don't know. Yeah. I love Christmas. And then on New Year's Eve, we have a big event here at IST, our annual New Year's Eve celebration where we invite the inner circle of IST to come together and pat ourselves on the back. We like to, <laughs> we like to really give a shout out to the guys that have made extraordinary contributions to mm -hmm. the team. Uh, the students at IST and the faculty, maybe especially the faculty, but the students and faculty are changing the world. And that's what makes it so fun. And I think the world's gonna be so much better because there's so many Assault Academy students that are getting empowered with knowledge to be able to do great things. Even down in the Amazon, I think there's some. Yeah. By the way, one of the big goals for 2024 is, and I know many of you are saying, come on, come on, R, we need it. Uh, we're planning to launch the Acellus Gold Store. And we're starting to work on that now. In fact, we plan to operate the very, very, very first edition of the Acellus Gold Star store, Acellus Gold Store mm -hmm. on New Year's Eve for our team here. And the guys that come, and you know, this is a formal deal. It's by invitation only, yeah. isn't it? When they come, <laughs> if they will go around to the different stations, and learn, they get gold coins. Aww, Sound familiar, sells gold <laughs> students, yeah. And with those gold coin things, they can get stuff in the Acellus Gold Store. That will be the inauguration of the gold store, wow. and we're working very hard to figure out how we can now get it out to students. Many students are starting to get a lot of gold coins. <laughs> yeah. And so we need to get some stuff out to them. But remember, everything you learn empowers you to do things. It's like building up an investment in your own brain. Gold in your brain makes you powerful and that's why we like to have the Acellus gold coins is because then you can understand in an object lesson how learning empowers you to be able to do things. See you next time. Have a wonderful holiday and we'll see you next year, okay?